Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome in, Empty Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the early preview Week 10 games today. Of course, that includes the Thursday night game and all of the 1 o'clock games or the early afternoon games or early morning games, depending on what time zone you're from. We're on the East Coast here, so it's always 1 o'clock in the afternoon for me. And we are, have a lot to go over, but an interesting note for this upcoming week, actually, is that this is the first week all season long, and really the first week in a long time that I can remember in any season, where we're actually going to have more games to talk about tomorrow on Friday's show when we talk about the late window of games then in today's show, in the early window, for the first time ever, the later window of games actually has more matchups in the early window. It's always so lopsided where it's like we're talking about nine to ten different games and you know Thursday's show in the early window of games, and then Friday I have like maybe four or five. It's actually flip-flop. We only have like six games to go over today, so as a result of that, we did get a little extra questions, a couple extra questions on the mailbag segment at the end of today's show. And remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you have to do is hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. That's good for Twitter or for Facebook. Leave your fantasy football question, your comment. You can even go on a rant, and we'll talk about it. We'll give you your fantasy analysis. And even if we don't choose it to come on to the show, you will get a response from me no matter what, any time of day. Make sure you're also checking up. Our rankings did go live this, uh, this morning, early this morning on bellyupfantasysports.com, so those are up to date, and they'll continue to get updated as we get more injury news, as we get closer to Sunday, which is a lot of stuff we got to talk about on today's show. We have injury news to talk about, we have fantasy announcements to talk about, we have guys returning finally this week to talk about, we have a ton of guys on by, which is opening up a lot of different value for guys this week. I was looking at the tight end position, that was one of the big observations that I, I saw right away when I was doing my rankings, and with no Travis Kelsey, George Kittle on IR, Mark Andrews not being what he was supposed to be, the tight end position, the top 10, looks like a category, looks like the top 10 streaming options. That's what it looks like. What would normally be my top streaming options are the top 10 tight ends this week. That's how bad that landscape has been. So we'll go through that and more as we go through each and every game, each and every matchup heading into your week 10. Look, it's the playoffs, right? We have four games left of the regular season up to week 13 and, you know, 90% of leagues out there. I know there's some leagues that have some different setups. And 
we have our trade deadlines coming up in week 12. I've talked about that quite a few times. If you are in a position right now where you know you're going to make the playoffs, it's time to start looking around and see what kind of deals you can make to solidify your playoff schedules, solidify your playoff chances. It's time, it's time to start thinking ahead in that sense. If you're somebody who has to pretty much run the table to have a shot to get in the playoffs, then you have to start examining your roster construction from that standpoint. This is the time of the season where you have to start looking ahead. And I know that's difficult to do in 2020 because we have so much going on with COVID that anything can change on a dime. So you don't you don't want to sell everything off for just a chance to get a few good matchups down the stretch necessarily. You want to make sure you're getting fair value at all times. But it's time to start looking ahead. It's time to start planning for these matchups upcoming so you are prepared for those games. So that's my big advice for you guys heading into Week 10 is that it's crunch time. It is absolutely crunch time. And even if you're three and six, you still have a chance here because if you go seven and six, you can still make the playoffs in a lot of leagues out there. But you're going to have to run the table. So don't give up. And even if you are out of it, let's say you're two and seven, one and eight, maybe even oh and nine, you don't give up. The integrity of the league is too important. It keeps the competition level real. You don't want to just say, ah, I'm just not going to set a lineup anymore. And commissioners out there, my advice to you guys is to stay on top of those people. Give them something, give them a reason to stay excited about it. Maybe, you know, you have a high score bonus from a week to week or or you, you know, talk some trash in the group messaging and you make them, you know, make it a little bit different uh, and make it a little bit more embarrassing if you have the lowest score of the week. Something of that nature. But you have to make sure you stay on top of your guys for the integrity of the leagues. This is when a lot of problems in fantasy football leagues out there really start to arise because some people just quit because they're, they're just completely out of it and they just don't want to care anymore. But that can really screw up everything for the people who are actually still in it. So hopefully you're able to stay on top of those guys, keep them motivated, sell them on the integrity of the league. Depends on those people that are maybe not in position to make the playoffs anymore. You need those guys all the way through. So that is my big fantasy advice for you guys for the week outside of our analysis and our injury updates and our matchup previews that we're about to dive into here. Of course, starting off with the Thursday night game tonight. I got the Colts, I got the Titans. First and foremost, I'm just really happy that we actually have a pretty even matchup for the first time in a long time on a Thursday night game. Now, they do these divisional games a lot. But in this instance, this is a big divisional game. One, you're, you're competing for first place. It's two pretty good teams that you're going up against here with the Colts and the Titans. So there's actually going to be solid football to watch. But Thursday night's always a little bit lesser quality because these players' just game plans have to be very fundamental, very uh, you know vanilla, if you will. They have very, you know, you can't really put too many wrinkles on two days worth of game planning. And also the players are spending most of the week not really practicing, but trying to get their bodies right so they're fresh enough to be able to go out there and perform on a Thursday. But this is probably one of the better Thursday games we're going to get than we have seen in a while now. So what does that mean for fantasy football purposes, though? Well, with the Colts, there's very, very little that I want out of the Colts from a fantasy standpoint, not just in this matchup, but I think moving forward. We're going to skip Phil Rivers because you're never going to stream Phil Rivers, ever, 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 ever. There's no ceiling to his game. 
whatsoever. Philip Rivers is done. He's garbage. He's out. He should he should have retired last year. He's just, this is just him trying to stay in the show a little while longer. And I want anybody out there who told me that Philip Rivers was going to be an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett to go ahead and message me at BellyUpMDFFShow on Twitter or on Facebook and give me your give me your report now. Tell me how Philip Rivers is better than what Jacoby Brissett was giving this team now because it's not. It's not any better. The team is better. The defense is better. The run game is, is always as a team. I should say the run game as a team, not as an individual player, but as a team is better. So the team as an overall factor is better, which is why the Colts themselves are doing well. But tell me how Philip Rivers is helping this team. Just look at it from a fantasy perspective. The quarterback position is not stream worthy. There's literally not a single pass catcher. And T.Y. Hilton's back this week, by the way. There's literally not a single pass catcher that is worth anything fantasy football-wise. Now, part not all of that is Philip Rivers, but a lot of it is. Part of it's also Frank Reich on the other side. Because why you have a three-man rotation, now Jack Doyle is going to be out this game, but why, generally speaking, you have a three-man rotation at the tight end position befuddles my mind. Befuddles my mind. Why does Trey Burton have to play as much as he does? Why can't Mo Alley Cox, who has looked like he's taking that next step this year in his development, there are some rough edges, there's still some developing he needs to do in blocking and stuff like that, and I understand that nature of that, but it's not like Trey Burton's a great pass blocker or, or run blocker or anything either. Uh, why not play Mo Alley Cox? He is a athletic mismatch the second he steps on the field. He was performing well when both Jack Doyle and Trey Burton were out in the first place. He added an extra dimension to your offense. Phillip Rivers needs a big body to throw to in the red zone, needs a big body to throw to really in general right now because he's not very accurate. He needs that wide wingspan in order to have a target to. You're ruining your team, and it's not just goes for the tight end position, by the way. You also talked about the running back position, but we're going to get to that in a second. It renders everything useless because the receivers are useless. Nobody's really getting targeted that much. T.Y. Hilton is every bit of the fantasy bust that I expected him to be, and not because of him. It's not his fault. It is 100% Philip Rivers and Frank Reich, the system that they are running. Mostly Rivers in that case when it comes to T.Y. Hilton because there is no deep threat. None. None whatsoever. So T.Y. Hilton can't get what was the biggest aspect of his game going. Period. And they're not playing him in the slot. We've talked about that before. Thought there was a chance when Paris Campbell went down that maybe they would move Hilton to the slot. Maybe they would let him run the Keenan Allen role. They don't. They're making him run, I would say, a Mike Williams role if you want to relate it to where Phil Rivers is. And that's why T.Y. Hilton gets left out the drive more times than not. And Zach Pascal is just a guy. I know there's been some, uh, I don't want to say hope, I guess, or uh, an eyebrow raised or, or some chatter, I guess you could say, about Michael Pittman. But still, at the end of the day, he had five catches for about 54 yards. That's what we're getting excited about now in the passing game. There's no pass catcher, none, that not only do I not want to touch for this game, which is really a shame because it's a great matchup on paper. You can throw the ball in the Tennessee Titans. But for the rest of the season, unless Trey Burton also gets hurt and Mo Alley Cox becomes a thing again, there is not a single pass catcher that I care about for fantasy football purposes for the Colts, period. So let's get into what we do care about from a fantasy football perspective which is the running back position. This is also a nightmare. Now, this is Frank Reich's problem. Look, I know Jonathan Taylor has not been as great as everybody was hoping for. He isn't doing a great job breaking tackles. He is having some problems with some vision. But having said that, if you watch the tape at all on Jonathan Taylor when he was in Wisconsin, 
The big thing about him was that he got better as the game wore on. He always had trouble breaking tackles in the first half of games. He always looked like he was kind of running to the back of his offensive lineman in the first half of games. But as he got into rhythm, as he got a feel and got into the flow, that's when he would start to break his big plays. That's when he would start to wear out a defense. That's what he did in college. But the key there is that he needs 20 carries to do that. There's some guys in the NFL, Derrick Henry's a prime example, there's some guys where they need to get 20 carries to really get the best production out of them. Not, I'm not saying just give them 20 carries just because. I'm not saying they just need 20 carries because that will you know, give them the volume to, make their, to pad their stats. They need 20 carries to get into rhythm, to wear out the opponent, because that's what they do. They're physical. They wear you down. Remember, if Derek, unless Derrick Henry hit a big play, the days where he was getting 10 carries, 12 carries, there was a lot of question marks if Derrick Henry was really going to be the next best running back for the Tennessee Titans back when they were, you know, had DeMarco Murray as the starter. There was questions about his vision. There was questions about his ability to break tackles. We all know he was an athletic freak. We all know Jonathan Taylor's an athletic freak. But because he was not getting the opportunity to wear the other defense down and get in the flow of the game, we were not seeing the best of Derrick Henry. That's what's going on with Jonathan Taylor right now. That's not going to change anytime soon because Frank Reich is hell-bent on this three-man rotation. And now you have to deal with the fact that Jordan Wilkins, over the past two weeks, has outcarried Jonathan Taylor. Jordan Wilkins, who was supposed to be a roster bubble possibly getting cut in the offseason. Now that leads me to my next point. Jordan Wilkins, is he fantasy relevant? The answer to that is unequivocally no. Do not trust. The second you trust Jordan Wilkins is the second he gets eight carries for 20 yards. I'm telling you right now. That's why I put him on the do not add list for MD Nation when we talked about the waiver wire report back on Tuesday. And if you have, if you're in a situation, and you very well could be because of the, the teams that we have on by and some of the injuries that we're dealing with, where you need a fill-in RB2. Because of the matchup, if Wilkins is available, I'm not saying you can't play him on the hope on the hope that he outcarries Jonathan Taylor because it has happened the past two weeks. But you're doing it on a hope and a prayer. You're not doing it because it's actually going to happen or that you feel confident about it in any kind of way. The future of this team should be Jonathan Taylor. Now, Taylor, we have ranked at 18 coming into the week. I have to, I have to tell you, I feel like that could wind up being a little bit high given what we've seen lately. But I still believe in talent. Still believing that you can run on the Tennessee Titans. I have to buy into Jonathan Taylor can still be, at least in this matchup anyway, a low-end RB2. Are you going to feel queasy about it? Are you going to feel like it's risky? Yeah, 100%. There's no doubt about it right now. Because there's, there's no trusting who's going to have the hot hand, what the carousel is going to be. But this is a good matchup for a Jonathan Taylor that I think will get a chance to get a couple decent runs in, and maybe we won't see Jordan Wilkins come in because of a hot hand situation. So I'm sticking with Jonathan Taylor's that you could play him as a low-end RB2. Not playing Naeem Hines, not playing Jordan Wilkins, but overall for the rest of the season, I think that's the more the, the, the point that I think people are really asking for right now. For the rest of the season, what do you have? Well, with Jonathan Taylor, like I've talked about this last week, if you can still sell him high based on the name value, based on the idea that there's still a lot of season left and that he could hit his stride as a rookie maybe in the second half of the season, if they start to actually give him the opportunities to do so, then I would try to sell him for a guy that is giving me a solidified 
touch each week. Now, David Montgomery's hurt, and we'll talk about him in tomorrow's show, exactly where his health is. But someone like a David Montgomery, and I know that's crazy to say because there's no ceiling with a David Montgomery, but someone like that, maybe a David Johnson with him possibly being out this week, that's where we are. Because at least those guys I know when they play have a solidified opportunity share heading their direction. Unfortunately, that's just where we are. So that's something I would have to contemplate if I'm a Jonathan Taylor owner, especially if I'm looking to set myself up for the rest of the playoffs. You don't want to be part of something where he could just give you, like last week, 10 carries for nothing. Fell into the end zone, thankfully, but if he didn't, you're looking at four points out of Jonathan Taylor. And it hasn't mattered what the matchup is really too much. So it's definitely a scary proposition, but if you have him, I think you can still play him. I think you have to play him probably as a low-end RB2 this week because I doubt you're going to have a better option. But it's this disgusting situation going on with the Colts right now. So let's flip it over to the Tennessee Titans. Where the offense hasn't been as great, but let's take into consideration, outside the, the disappointment of the Cincinnati Bengals game, which had a lot of bad weather to it, this was a situation where they faced a lot of pretty good defenses, and this is going to be another pretty good defense too. You still can play A.J. Brown, obviously. We have him as a wide receiver too this week because of the matchup, but you know it's A.J. Brown. I don't think there's a corner out there who can really match what he can do athletic-wise, and his route-running ability has taken a step up this season. He comes in as a wide receiver two for us with, of course, wide receiver one potential because he can bust one at any given moment. So, of course, A.J. Brown, you're good with. Janu Smith, tight end 17. I talked about this last week. I said if I didn't see something in the Chicago game that was going to change my mind, that Janu Smith would go from being a top 10 tight end for me every week to back into the 11 to 20 range of streaming tight ends that we're talking about. That's where he's fallen for me. Because even though he got the touchdown last week against Chicago, he still only had two catches and only had two targets. And by the way, they came back-to-back on the drive where he scored, which was in the fourth quarter. He wasn't involved at all. They are asking him to block too much. With no Taylor Lewan, with the offensive line woes that they have and all the injuries, he's having to block, not just on running downs, but on passing downs too to help out. As a result of that, he's not getting opportunities to actually go out there and make plays himself from a fantasy standpoint. While he's a tremendous talent, and he could turn around in a blink of an eye, for right now, I'm not looking to play Janu Smith. Especially in a matchup against the Colts where it's not good for tight ends to begin with when Darius Leonard's healthy. It's really unfortunate because he's one of the more talented tight ends in the league, but he's just not being utilized right now. So you can't play him. Derrick Henry, obviously, RB4 in the week, you know, go. I don't care about the matchup. It's Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill, we have him as a top 12 quarterback. Now, I like Tannehill a lot, and I know that it's been a little spotty as of late. But this game's in Tennessee. I believe the Titans are going to win. This is game, I think, I think the spread on this game is only a point, though. It's a pretty much a pickup. I believe Tennessee will win at the end of the day. If they get play action moving... You can throw on the Colts. The secondary is what you can attack on the Colts. You can't run up the middle on them. You don't have a lot of time to throw the football either. They get a pass rush. But if you can attack them on the perimeter, you can attack them with your wide receivers, with A.J. Brown, with Corey Davis, that's how you can move the ball most effectively against his defense, especially against zone, which is what they run predominantly. 
So I think you're going to see a solid game here out of Ryan Tannehill. The big thing about Tannehill right now and his fantasy value is that we need to see him start using his legs a little bit more. We haven't seen that in a while. And that's kind of why he's been... He's still been producing okay because he's still been able to get a couple passing touchdowns for the most part each game. But he's not getting those top 10 performances every single week like we had suddenly become grown to used to seeing because he hasn't really been using his legs as much lately. I don't know if that changes this week, but I do expect that to change at some point. So that's why I believe Ryan Tannehill is somebody that he could be him as a top 12 quarterback this week, and we'll see him more and more in the top 10 as we move forward. Corey Davis now. We have him at wide receiver 44, so hovering around that wide, that top-end wide receiver 4 flex territory range. Even though he goosed you last week, we knew it wasn't going to be a good matchup for Corey Davis against Chicago, or Janu Smith for that matter, or Derrick Henry for that matter, because Chicago defense is the real thing. But we've seen this before, where Corey Davis has his low floor game, all of a sudden he gets back involved the following game, and like I said... Attacking the Colts on the perimeter with the wide receivers is the best way to move the ball. Again, we're not going to have Adam Humphreys for another week. That means there continues to be more targets available for an A.J. Brown for a Corey Davis. So I'm not super excited to play him. But if you need a flex position, I don't believe Corey Davis is going to goose you again this week. I do think he'll be in that value range. Now, there's not a big ceiling that comes with him this week either. So look at your roster construction, what you need this Sunday. But if you just need to plug and play with a guy who can get you a few points, I believe Corey Davis can be that guy for you in the flex quite possibly. But there might be some better options out there. Again, we have him at wide receiver 44, so I'm not suggesting that he's a must-play by any stretch of the means. So let's move into our first Sunday game that we want to get into. Let's talk about the Texans. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember, together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm an indie vet. I'm also home from work at 6 and already transformed into a princess. Mommy, put on your crown. That's because I've got complete control of my schedule, plenty of shifts that fit my life, and a team like no other. It's a whole new way to vet. Indie Vets. Very excited about this game. Very excited about this game because we'll start on the brown side of the ball. Very excited to see Nick Chubb get back. We expect him back. I know Kevin Stefanski is trying to play the coach speak, trying to play it safe kind of deal, trying to play a little bit cautiously. You need to see how he responds throughout practice. But he did practice yesterday. We expect him to practice today. They said Friday, of course, they'll make a final ruling on him. And I always love how these coaches say, like, well, we'll wait, we'll wait till Friday to make a final ruling on him. We'll know more then. Yeah, no crap. You have to make, you have to make an, a ruling on – you have to give out the injury report for the week on Friday. So, yeah, we have to have a pretty good idea. Now, sometimes things can change between Friday and Sunday. Of course it can. But we have to have a pretty good idea if a player is going to play or not on Friday. Like, that, that goes for everybody, no matter what the situation is. So I love how coaches always put that out there. Like, it's, ooh, ooh, we'll have a nugget for you on Friday. Like, somehow that's any different than any other week. But Nick Chubb, you know, I think the only question on him really right now is whether or not he's going to play this game with a knee brace. I don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. In fact... You know how confident I am in this game? Nick Chubb's first game back against the Houston Texans, I have him at RB5 overall. RB5 overall. A top elite RB1 in this game. 
Now, is part of that because they're playing the Texans? Yeah, 100%. But the other part of that is because Kareem Hunt did not take this job and run with it the way we thought he would if this scenario were to play out. Remember, in the offseason, very high on Kareem Hunt because I knew he was going to be a flex play even with Nick Chubb in the lineup because I knew who he was going to be involved in as far as the passing game goes, getting sprinkled in here and there, and that, that has been the case. But the other reason why we were big on Kareem Hunt is because if anything were to happen to Nick Chubb, the idea is that Kareem Hunt would become an elite top five RB1. That didn't come to fruition. And it wasn't because of lack of good opportunities in his matchups either. He had good matchups. He had good opportunities. He didn't really take advantage. Now, he wasn't a dud by any stretch of the means, but he was not that top five running back that you thought he would be, meaning he didn't run away with his job, meaning Nick Chubb maybe is the better running back for this system, for this team moving forward, meaning because they waited the the proper amount of time for Nick Chubb to recover, I feel pretty good that he's going to come in and get his normal workload, or at least his normal role. Well, he'll work in front of Kareem Hunt as the starter and getting the bulk of the carries. Where Kareem Hunt will, you know, spell him in, work on a series basis, get some passing work down and all that stuff. Everything we saw at the beginning of the year. But I don't, th- I don't think this is a game where Nick Chubb comes in and they limit him to 12 carries. I don't think he's going to be on a pitch count. And you add that up with this system against Houston, who can't stop anybody on the ground, give me some Nick Chubb. Love him this week. RB5 for me this week. Firing him up with confidence. So happy to see him back. So happy to see him back. There's been a lot of questions this week as to whether or not you can acquire Nick Chubb on the cheap. Now, I don't know how cheap you can acquire him because the people who have been holding him are finally getting him back this week. If you were going to acquire him and buy low on him, you probably would have did in the weeks leading up. But let's say you're in a situation where a guy is trying to shoot up for the playoffs or is desperate to win. Maybe he's a little bit worried about the narrative of Nick Chubb being on a pitch count. Maybe he's a little bit worried about Kareem Hunt still being worked in enough where Nick Chubb has a limited ceiling. And they want to make sure they're good to go. You have to look for certain situations. But if you can acquire Nick Chubb you know, on the cheap for an RB2, let's say, and a, and a package with maybe a, a wide receiver three, something of that nature... Go get him because there is also the standpoint of they've gotten to this point without him, basically. So maybe they're set up now where they don't necessarily need that and they're looking for more depth pieces. It's worth trying out for. It's worth looking for. But this would have been, if you're looking to buy low on Nick Chubb, it would have been a lot easier last week or two weeks ago. So, But I did get a lot of questions about that this week, so I did want to address that uh, in particular. What does Nick Chubb return to for Kareem Hunt? You still play Kareem Hunt. We still have him at RB11. So in a 12-man leagues, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are both RB1s for us this week. Again, Houston Texans do a lot of wonders for running backs. A lot of wonders for running backs. He's still going to be involved in the passing game. He's still going to probably get double-digit carries, maybe 10 to 12. He's still going to be very effective. And really, the most efficient we've seen Kareem Hunt be is when he's in that role. As the guy who can come and be a little bit of a change of pace back, essentially. We know without OBJ that this team is going to lean heavily on the run now they have Nick Chubb back and get back to what we saw more towards the beginning of the year. So I think they're both possibly RB1s this week. So you're still going to play Kareem Hunt with confidence. Jarvis Landry 
I do like him for a floor. I think we're going to start to see Jarvis Landry get back to being Jarvis Landry as far as the production, the stat line that we're used to seeing out of him because the extra targets are just going to be there. We saw that before the bye week. It wasn't a crazy stat line, but again, that game had a lot of weather to it in that Raiders game. But the targets were there. That I expect to continue. As long as that continues, Jarvis Landry typically will at least give you a high floor every single week. So we have him at wide receiver 18 this week. Last guy to talk about in the Browns is Austin Hooper. This is what I'm talking about. I have Austin Hooper ranked at six. I had to triple check that. I was like, really? Six? How? First game back? Wasn't like he was that great to begin with? And then you look at the tight end landscape, and you look at this week in particular, like I said, with Travis Kelsey on by, no more George Kittle. And you go to yourself like, oh, that's why. Because at least the Browns do throw to the tight end, in the red zone especially. They seem like they're very excited to have Austin Hooper back. We know David Njoku is not going to be a thing. So he comes in at tight end six. Am I going to feel good about it? No. But when you start to break down the numbers, the expectations, and you start to break down the rest of the landscape, yeah, Hooper might be a top stream this week. He could very well be a top 10 play. You start looking at the matchup too. There's a decent chance, especially with no OBJ now, there's extra red zone targets that don't necessarily go to Jarvis Landry. So, yeah, he gets a touchdown, he'll be in the top 10. It's great. This is how crazy the tight end situation is. But I thought I had to mention that. That was a prime example of what we're looking at this week. Now, let's talk about Houston on the other side. Sean Watson, of course, top 10 quarterback, will be a top 10 quarterback every single week. You're maybe not getting that top three performance that maybe when you drafted Deshaun Watson, you were hoping for as part of his potential. We had him ranked at seven this year. Because just without DeAndre Hopkins not having a safety blanket, we knew there was going to be a bit of a, a bit of a you know a chemistry change there. You're going to have to build a rapport, a bit of an adjustment. The good thing for Deshaun Watson is that I think he'll carry a high end top ten floor the rest of the season because Houston is playing much more competently on offense since Bill O'Brien's been gone. There's been a lot more mixture in the play calling. They've been getting more guys involved, especially Brandon Cooks, who comes in at wide receiver twenty eight for us this week. I like Cooks a lot in this matchup. Now, Will Fuller is wide receiver nine. That Part of that is because Will Fuller has been great all season long. Part of that is because you can throw the ball on Cleveland. There is a little bit of a caveat with Fuller because he's going to see Denzel Ward. But Denzel Ward hasn't been the shutdown corner that we all expected him to be coming into the season. So, so I'm not really afraid of it. That's why I still have him as wide receiver nine. But I do want to point that out to say this. I like Brandon Cooks on the other side to have mismatches. And while last week it was great because he had that big touchdown... But he wasn't as involved as he had been the previous weeks. He still only had three catches at the end of the day. But he's been more involved in the offense as a whole. And this is a game where I think Houston's going to have to throw the comeback. I think there's a good chance Cleveland will be able to be the bullies in this game. We'll be able to control the game. And I think in the second half, you're going to have to see Houston throw the ball a lot. Not to mention... We do not expect David Johnson to play. Unfortunately, it really does not look good as far as how he's progressing through the concussion protocol at the moment. We think a return next week is far more likely. So we don't have David Johnson ranked. I went ahead and I just ranked Duke Johnson in his place. And Duke Johnson in half-point PPR league comes out as an RB12 for us this week. He's going to have a high floor. He's going to get all the work. He's going to get some receptions. And it's a bit of a revenge game. He gets a chance to be the full-on workload starter for a team that would never give him the opportunity, even though they said every single year that this was going to be Duke Johnson's year, and it never came to fruition. 
So Duke Johnson comes in at RP12 for us this week. Really up there. Play him with confidence. Make sure you pick him up. If he's still out there. I, I was kind of surprised how many leagues he was still available in. Now it's it's more than 50%. But there's close to like 30, 35% on average throughout the major platforms where Duke Johnson is still available as of this moment. I'm telling you right now, I don't think David Johnson's going to play. So pick him up. RB12 on the week. So let's move on. Oh, I will mention Randall Cobb. He is he's somebody since Brandon Cooks has gotten more involved that's kind of been phased out of this offense. And that's kind of what we expected. Because they kind of run some of the similar patterns. Brandon Cooks is much more explosive. I don't know why they played Randall Cobb. Of course, I don't know why Bill O'Brien did a lot of things he is, and that's why he's gone now. But Randall Cobb continues to be kind of the odd man out here. So there's not much value when it comes to a Randall Cobb. I'm not plugging and playing him as a flex. There's, just, there's no ceiling there. And there's too low of a floor. So let's move into our next game. Let's talk about Washington. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions. We'll mention Alex Smith just because of the story that it is. He's going to get his first start since coming back off of that horrific injury. He did throw over 300 yards last week in a touchdown. Still three interceptions. Still wasn't great overall. But there's production there. It's not like we've seen too many Washington quarterbacks go over 300 yards too often this season. I think Dwayne Haskins did it once. He's QB 23. He's not a streaming option or anything like that. And I think the big question everybody has is, like, how does this affect this team? Well, it doesn't change anything for Terry McLaurin. And I think, and I think we can all agree there. McLaurin is number five receiver for us on the week going up against the Detroit Lions. A great matchup. He's getting tons of targets no matter who the quarterback is. That'll continue to happen with Alex Smith. So Terry McLaurin, wide receiver one. What it changes is the running back situation. Now, there's an extra caveat with that that we didn't really find out until Wednesday that Antonio Gibson's dealing with a shoulder injury, didn't practice yesterday, we're waiting to see today if he's able to practice or not because there wasn't there was a neutral tone. Usually you can kind of feel out coaches how they're how they're talking about a player and what it is they really think their expectation for the week is going to be if they're leaning more towards, you know, them being able to play or not. Wasn't able to get a great feel here out of Ron Rivera as far as where Antonio Gibson was, if he was actually a threat to not play or if He's a little bit banged up, and they're just giving him a rest day or not. So we're awaiting today's practice report. That might happen while we're actually on the show. I'm kind of hoping it does. To see whether or not Antonio Gibson is going to be somebody who's able to get out there uh, this week. But let's assume for a second that he will. Let's assume that he'll be out there. He'll be RB14 for us on the week. Again, it's Detroit Lions. It's a great matchup. But J.D. McKissick will also be RB23. He will also be a low-end RB2. And this is where I worry about Antonio Gibson a little bit. Even though it's a great match against Detroit, and we all know that the running backs can do whatever they want, depending on who actually gets the football. That's the point. Who's actually going to get the football here? Every time Alex Smith has come in, and it's only been twice, I'm not saying it's a lot, but about three and a half, almost four quarters of Alex Smith playing, We've seen J.D. McKissick get over 20 targets. Over 20 targets with Alex Smith playing quarterback so far this season. It's not a coincidence. It's not, a situ- it's not just because of a situation where both times Washington was having to come back from behind and Alex Smith was throwing a ton in those games. It's not just that. It's very similar to why I last week going into the Thursday night game, I was talking about why it was going to be a McKinnon game, not a Jamichael Hasty game. Because Nick Mullins became the quarterback. 
Very similar here. Now, it's not that Antonio Gibson can't catch the ball. That's his best quality. There's no doubt about it. But the one thing Antonio Gibson is still developing on, and typically so for a rookie running back, especially one that didn't have a lot of experience at the running back position coming out of college to begin with, is pass blocking. The number one priority with Washington, with Alex Smith starting, is going to make sure they feel confident that they are able to do at least an adequate enough job of protecting him, or at least putting out their best players who can protect him. While J.D. McKissick is no world beater, he still understands pass protection a lot better as a veteran over Antonio Gibson at the moment. And he's a great check down, and that's what Alex Smith likes to do with the ball. I'm not saying J.D. McKissick is going to start over Antonio Gibson. If I was, I would have these rankings swept around. I have Gibson at 14, J.D. McKissick at 23. But he is going to play a significant amount. And uh, do I think it's crazy to say he gets 8 to 10 targets in this game, possibly more? No. It's not crazy to say. He's in line for a big workload, especially in the passing game. So J.D. McKissick, I mean, I don't have my full-point PPR rankings lit up in front of me, but he would be a mid-tier RB2 in full-point PPR this week because he has a hell of a floor coming into this game. And because it's Detroit, we actually might see him have more success on the ground than we normally would. I'm telling you right now, in a lot of my DFS lineups, I have J.D. McKissick in there. He is going to be a heck of a play this week. And I do worry about if how effective he is with Alex Smith. What will happen to Antonio Gibson's floor? Will he not be as involved in the passing game and therefore lose that floor and lose the potential ceiling that he really should have going into this game? And look at that. We have the update that we were looking for. Breaking news. Antonio Gibson is participating in individual drills today. So, see, exactly. Second week in a row, I think I was hoping, I was talking about something I wanted to update for during the show, and we got it right while we were still talking about it in the segment. So, he is limited. It looks like he'll have a pretty decent shot at playing. So, again, you're playing Antonio Gibson because he still should get the bulk of the carries, and it's Detroit. But I do worry about what his floor is going to be not having the passing down work that really you've come to expect him to have or, sh- frankly, should have. You want, to talk, you want to talk about the Colts and we talk about how they need to be, attach their identity more to Jonathan Taylor. Washington needs to start attaching their identity more to Antonio Gibson. If he's going to be the future, if him and Terry McLaurin are going to be the future and you still got to find out who the quarterback's going to be, let him actually develop. Let him actually start to establish himself. This whole idea that J.D. McKissick, which we all know what he is at this point, gets to play as much as he does is ridiculous, but he's going to play a lot more now with Alex Smith on their center. I'm telling you that right now. I'm telling you that right now. So I think you can play both of these guys, and I just worry about Gibson's floor a little bit depending on how this game goes. But you can play both of these guys as RB2s, I believe. Now we flip it over to the line side of the ball where it's very much a fantasy wasteland which is really surprising to say, but I'm not streaming Stafford this game because without Kenny Galladay, I don't trust what his floor will be. And it's against Washington, which has been pretty stingy against quarterbacks this entire year. I'm not playing Marvin Jones. I'm not playing Danny Amendola. Everybody out there wants to play Danny. Look, I get it from a standpoint of like, oh, well, he might get a lot of targets with Kenny Galladay out. So maybe from a PPR standpoint, you could play him the flex. Yeah. You know where that line of thinking gets you? 
It gets you Danny Amendola getting knocked out with an injury in the first quarter. That's where it gets you. It gets you Danny Amendola with three catches for 23 yards. You can't trust any aspect of the Detroit passing game right now, and unfortunately that means Marvin Jones. I know he came through and he got a touchdown last week, four catches, 43 yards, off of seven targets, I believe it was. The fact that he was not able to be dominant or above average, frankly, against the Minnesota Vikings, I have no faith that he's going to be able to whirl into Washington, who's been much better defensively, and actually have a good game. I mean, he is touchdown or bust. Completely. There's no ceiling to this game, and we don't have him inside the top 36. At all. So I'm not playing them. The only pass catcher I am playing is TJ Hawkinson, who I've ranked at the number two tight end overall this year. He's been consistently involved. He's turned himself into a top red zone target for this team. And he honestly might be a top 10 tight end. Actually, I shouldn't say might be. Is a top 10 tight end for us the rest of the season. So we like TJ Hawkinson a lot. And Washington against the tight end, that's one of the pass catching positions that you can attack them on a little bit. So we have TJ Hawkinson ranked number two overall this week. You're definitely playing him. And then you flip it around. Washington's not great against stopping the run. If the Lions go back to say what they did when they came out of the bye and actually just go into this game with the game plan of featuring the running, rushing attack, which I have to imagine they will because we don't expect Kenny Galladay to be back this week. Then Swift and Adrian Peterson actually wind up both being RB3s. Swift, a high in RB3. Peterson comes in right at 36, so he comes in right at the cutoff. Now, I don't want to play Peterson if you can at all help it because there's not going to be much of a ceiling there, but if they come in and feature the rushing attack, which I think is what the game plan is going to be for this team, he should be looking at 12 carries, and he should be looking at the possibility of a touchdown, which is why he makes the top 36 here. It's been disappointing since that game, since they came out of the bye for DeAndre Swift. Not not for him as his efficiency because he's actually been very good when he gets to touch the ball, but the fact is he hasn't gotten to touch the ball nearly as much as he should. Again, the game plan is going to be a little bit different. I think they're going to have to lean on the running back attack, especially DeAndre Swift in this game. He comes in RB25 for us, so I feel very confident playing him as a low-end RB2 flex play heading into this week against Washington, who hasn't been great against the running back position. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take a quick break. We have some more games in the early window to preview, and of course, don't forget, at the end of the show, we're going to have that mailbag segment for you. So everybody, just stay tuned right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we've been going over the early window of games. We still have a few more to talk about there, some injury updates, our fantasy expectations. What our advice to your commissioners out there are to try to keep those people who are the back end, who look like they're not going to make the playoffs involved. Make sure you keep the integrity of your fantasy football league because it's very important at this stretch of the season. Along with making sure you are, if you are in the situation where you are had the playoffs locked or you think you're pretty good shot, you're going to make it, start looking at your roster construction, start looking down the road to get yourself set up during the playoff run to get yourselves a championship as part of the MD Nation. That's what we're all about here. We want you all to have a shot at the championship game. So we were talking about the early window of games. We still have a few more to talk about, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Green Bay Packers. James Robinson on the Jaguars' side has just been phenomenal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is the Packers matchup, which we know. Talk about teams who can't stop the run. The Packers are boop, right up there at number one. So James Robinson, you've got to love him this game. They've been leaning on him. They've been leaning on him all season long. But now, especially with Jake Luton, the rookie quarterback, they're going to continue to lean on him quite a bit. So James Robinson comes in as our RB3 of the week. He actually has a pretty good uh, price there on DraftKings, too, if you ever want to go check him out there and play on DraftKings. Make sure you check out the DC's DFS Challenge Tournament that's available to you guys every single week. We do a giveaway at the end of the month for the people who win. Uh, you check that out on Saturdays at 9.30. But James Robinson has a pretty good price there, $6,800. So this is a guy that we expect to finish the top three running backs, and that's a pretty good price for him there, too. So obviously, you continue to play James Robinson. I know there's been some talk about you know, do you sell high on him because his playoff schedule doesn't shape up great? Uh, you wonder if teams will start to key on him a little bit more given the rookie quarterback situation. But Jake Luton actually impressed me enough. Now, it was Houston. It was Houston. It was a great matchup. Houston didn't even have Roby. They're the only cornerback who actually has, you know, stands a chance to be able to protect against anything. So take it with a grain of salt that the fact that he had a decent performance last week. We, you could easily see him implode against the Green Bay Packers, who do have a healthy Jared Alexander back uh, for this matchup after their little mini buy here. But, but he played well enough. He was able to throw the deep ball well enough, and I think that's the big factor, is that teams are not going to be able to creep up necessarily on him because he does have the arm strength. And unlike a Gardner Minshew, at least not on a consistent basis this year anyway, he actually looked for DJ Chark as his number one read when he dropped back to pass and went deep with him and got some explosive plays off of him. I mean, the first drive of the game was a big play to DJ Chark for a touchdown. Chark actually had finally led the way in targets. Now, some people want to say some a reason for that was LaVisca Chenault was hurt in that game with a hamstring issue, and that's true. And Chenault actually sounds like he might be back within a week, so it wasn't a major hamstring issue by any stretch of the means. He's already back practicing on Wednesday, expecting to practice again today. But the fact was Chark was his first read. That's what I look for out of these quarterbacks when it comes to their number one wide receivers. When we're trying to determine when a new quarterback comes in, what receiver is going to be his go-to guy, it's all about where does he go with his eyes first at the snap. That's what it's all about. And we talk about a rookie, normally speaking, especially a six-round rookie, they're going to lock on to whoever that number one target is more times than not. Every time he dropped back, and it rightfully so, and it should be this way, DJ Chark was the first guy he was looking for. That's where his eyes went to that side of the field. Does he have a chance to get open? If not, he'll come off of him, but that's where he's looking to go first. So I think Chark actually has a healthy, consistent amount of targets heading his direction, 
as long as Jake Luton continues to be the starter. And the news on that is, one, Gardner Minshew is not healthy enough to come back anyway. But two, it really sounds like Doug Marone has no interest in bringing Gardner Minshew back as the starting quarterback this year. Zero. None. Jake Luton, very well, might, as long as he plays competently, very well might be the starter the rest of the way. Which I think means actually good things for DJ Chark based on the way he played, based on who he was looking for out there. So Chark comes in at wide receiver 13 for us. I know he's going to be matched up against Jer Alexander. I know Alexander has been great when he's been healthy so far this season. There's no doubt about that. But Chark is a dynamic talent. Chark is a budding superstar in this league. He's an athletic phenom. I think he's going to get the opportunities to make some big plays in here. Because here's the thing about Green Bay. Because they can't stop the run, they will tend to play some zone off of run blitzing. When they do that, and the Jaguars decide to play action once they're in that, when they get that kind of play call from the defensive side, well, Alexander's not going to be matched up one-on-one necessarily with Chark in that situation. So Chark's going to have some chances to hit a deep post on a play action along with, I think, a healthy target floor in this game. So Chark comes in at wide receiver 13 first. I think you can play him with a ton of confidence. And if you're looking to buy low on Chark, while it might be a little bit harder after last week's performance, people still might look at Jake Luton and say, like, well, it was one performance, and might think of themselves as selling Chark high. Take advantage of that. Obviously, make sure you're not giving up anything of too much of value. Make sure if you're, if you're buying low on him, make sure you're actually buying low on him. But... He's a guy I want to target because I think he has he sets up very well for the rest of the season. Like I said, Chenault, we expect him to play. But Keelan Cole, LaVisca Chenault, I'm not playing him in this game. I need to see more out of Jake Luton and where he's going to be at as far as spraying the ball around before we start to talk about really anybody else on the Jacksonville Jaguars as far as a fantasy standpoint. So James Robinson, DJ Chark, after that, it's kind of a wait-and-see game. So we flip it over to the Packers. Great matchup for everybody involved. We know that. It's the Jaguars. They can't stop anything. Rodgers, our number two quarterback on the week. Aaron Jones, who practiced in full yesterday, 100% healthy, good to go. We expect him to get a heavy workload in this game. Great matchup, RB6 on the week. Devontae Adams, our wide receiver one, because at this point, I don't know how he can't be. Alan Lazard. Now, we're still following the practice reports when it comes to Alan Lazard and where he's going to be at and everything like that. But Alan Lazard is ranked as my wide receiver 42. He is a possible flex play. Now, in this game against Jacksonville, I don't know how many guys the Packers are really going to need to get involved. I think if you just, you know, if you dominate with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, that probably would be enough. But the fact that Alan Lazar traveled with the team last week, I do think there's a real shot he's going to play here. It's a good matchup. They might take some moments in this game to try to get him up to snuff, try to get that rapport back, because they need a second wide receiver. There was a reason why they were inquiring at the very least about trading for Will Fuller. They need to recognize that they need that second wide receiver. They want to be a true Super Bowl contending team. Somebody else besides Devontae Adams is going to have to step up for them. Because otherwise you're going to be too one-dimensional. Playoff teams will take that away because playoff teams will actually game plan. Alan Lazard, I like his value as a low-end wide receiver three as a flex play the rest of the season. And I think it's possible that you might be able to play him as such in this game. We talked about Corey Davis at wide receiver 44. I have Alan Zart at wide receiver 42. When you're looking at guys who could be possible flex fill-ins, depending on what you have available to you in your roster construction, depending on your bye weeks, then, yeah, I would actually rather have Alan Zart if he plays than a Corey Davis. As a nice example for you guys. 
So keep that in mind. But I'm very excited to see that. Robert Tanyan, tight end 12. I feel like I'm going to say this for all the tight ends for the most part, but don't feel great about it at tight end 12. But it has to be. I know last week, last week was really weird. They had like a three-man rotation going on at the tight end position. I don't know why that was. I mean, we, we had Robert Tanyan kind of ranked on the expectation last week that Aaron Jones was not going to play, and then he wound up actually playing. So that kind of threw everything out of whack to some degree. They didn't have to force-feed anybody against the 49ers because they pretty much had that game in control from start to finish. Tanya is still the lead tight end. He's still got most of the snaps. He's still got most of the routes run. It's a hit-or-miss situation, but it's, it's Jacksonville. That was the first game I really saw an even three-man rotation at the tight end split. I think we'll see Tanya you know, kind of take a little bit step back to what he was beforehand, which was more of the lead guy. So he comes in at tight end 12. There's a possibility he scores a touchdown. There's a possibility that he gets five to seven targets in this game in a good match against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what it comes down to. Does the matchup and the potential volume heading in your direction, do they collide in a way that you could have some value? And that's kind of how you just, that's kind of how you analyze the tight end position right now, unfortunately. So Tanyan is a tight end 12. Don't feel great about it. Going to be a low floor on the simple fact that he could very well just not be part of the game plan like he wasn't part of the game plan last week against San Francisco 49ers. But there's he's a better tight end to take a chance on than a lot of other guys out there right now. Like a Janu Smith, for instance. There's at least more of a chance he'll see more targets than Janu Smith has. We'll move on to the next game. We'll talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Talk about the New York Giants. NFC East matchups are very hard to rank. They're very hard to bet. They're very hard to figure out what your expectation really should be. Because here's the problem with the Philadelphia Eagles. They're getting reinforcements back. Jalen Rager's back. Miles Sanders is back. Dallas Goddard's back. Hell, even Alshon Jeffrey might be back this week. He's been practicing in full. So while they're getting all these reinforcements back, they just, I don't know what it is. It's a mental thing, but they have this capacity where they're just going to play down to their opponent. Kind of similar with the Steelers. Steelers kind of do this too sometimes. Where instead of just playing the way they should and taking care of the easy opponents, which they should, they'll play down to them. They'll make it hard on themselves. Dallas Cowboys game was a great example. Carson Wentz had to go into save my team mode, put the, put the team on my back, put the team on my shoulders, and let us get us the victory against the Dallas Cowboys. What? I know people are going to say, like, well, the Steelers are the same thing. And that's kind of why I, said, I mentioned the Steelers, too. They do that sometimes, too. They will play down their opponent. It's kind of a similar situation. They have, both have these mindsets. It's weird. I think there's a chance here the Eagles might play down to the Giants in this game. Because from a talent standpoint, it's not close. From a coaching standpoint, it's not close. Jason Garrett's terrible. Eagles should win this game. Eagles should play well. From a fantasy standpoint, there's a lot of options to go with. Carson Wentz, I believe, is a top-nine quarterback this week. With him getting his weapons back, with the way he's been using his legs, the Giants' defense, I don't. there seems to be this narrative out there all of a sudden that the Giants' defense like, oh, it's actually pretty good, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I, all of my fantasy guys that I had valued high have all done pretty well against the Giants. It's not a defense I'm worried about. Do they have some nice pieces? Yeah. Overall, the levy breaks in the second half almost every single time. Wentz is the top nine quarterback. He gets Jalen Rager this game. We don't have him in the top 36. He's a boomer bust option. Very risky one at that. 
because all the pass catchers, all the wide receivers, I should say, are kind of a risk this week for the Philadelphia Eagles. Travis Fulgham is the only one we have ranked inside the top 36. We have him at 34. The reason everybody's a risk against the Giants is because of Alshon Jeffrey. We don't know what this rotation is going to turn into. We don't know what the playing time is going to turn into. We don't know how the Philadelphia Eagles are going to view this as far as who they want starting. It's hard to imagine, and that's why we still have him ranked inside the top 36, that Travis Fulgham would suddenly go back to being in the bench. But how are the Philadelphia Eagles going to play this? Are they going to go with... Because Alshon's going to be... If he's, if he's full, they're paying him too much money. They have to see if maybe they can trade him in the offseason or whatever. He's going to have to play. And there's a decent chance that he starts. Now, he might be on a pitch count his first game back. So we might not even get the data that we're looking for this week. But generally speaking, with him back on the field, I have to imagine Alshon Jeffrey's going to be a starter. One, Wentz has always liked him a lot, especially in the red zone. Two, like I said, you're paying him too much money. So... Alshon Jeffrey will be a thing. But is it going to be Alshon starting over Travis Fulgham in that role? Or are you going to go with more of a big receiver set, especially without not having Zach Ertz, where you go bigger body at the wide receiver position instead of having two tight ends to lean on with Alshon Jeffrey and Travis Fulgham and sprinkle in Jalen Rager with Greg Ward in the slot? Or, or... Is it Alshon Jeffrey? You keep Jalen Rager on the outside so he can play the Deshaun Jackson role, the wide receiver who's constantly on the field to take the top off, and keep Greg Ward in the slot, and therefore Travis Fulgham winds up being the odd man out. These are all possible scenarios that we're really not going to know until we actually see it play out on the field. And that's why I take a little bit of a cautious approach when it comes to the pass catchers of the Philadelphia Eagles. Do I think Travis Fulgham's very good? Yes. Do I think Travis Fulgham should be the future? Yes. Do I think there's any reason why Alshon Jeffrey should be starting over him? No. But again, that's applying logic. We haven't seen these coaches use logic a lot this year, especially, I have to say, in a lot of situations. So that's why I'm a little bit worried about this as far as pass catchers go. I think we're going to have to wait to see this play out. The one guy I feel really confident in as far as pass catchers go for the Philadelphia Eagles is Dallas Goddard. Tight end four for us this week. Real chance that Dallas Goddard is somebody that if you were able to pick him up before he came back because he got dropped in a lot of leagues out there, Real chance this guy's a top five tight end the rest of the way. Given the tight end landscape, given how much the Philadelphia Eagles love to throw the ball to the tight end in the first place, given how Zach Ertz is still going to be out for a few weeks, and even when he comes back the way he played before, I don't see any reason why he would usurp back the starting spot over Dallas Goddard or the target share, frankly. So Dallas Goddard very well might be a top five tight end the rest of the way. I know his first game back wasn't super happy with one catch, 15 yards. But we know he's going to get a healthy target share. We know he's going to be involved in this offense. And we know he's going to be involved, especially in the red zone. And he's probably one of the guys I feel the most safe about as far as a tight end position goes moving forward than really anybody else out there. So Dallas Goddard, tight end four. We really like him a lot this week. Miles Sanders is going to be back. He's practicing in full. He's good to go. We have him as an RB1. We have him as eight overall on the week. So we feel really good about Miles Sanders in his first game back. Move on to the Giants side of the ball. Not a lot to be excited about. Not a lot to target in this situation. Evan Ingram, he's a top five tight end for us this week, believe it or not. Look, he's been disappointing as far as his overall production, his overall efficiency. But Evan Ingram has been targeted a lot. They have done pretty much everything in their power to keep him involved. And to his credit, he's stayed healthy this season. 
Now, it hasn't led to the production that you would have thought it would have with him staying healthy and the way that he has been utilized in this offense, or at least the opportunities he's been given. This is still Jason Garrett we're talking about, so even when you get opportunities, it doesn't mean you're always in the best position to succeed. I think you can use the entire Giants off as an example of that this season. But he has a decent, he has a decent floor because of that, and the Philadelphia Eagles are a decent matchup for tight ends. So he's a top-five tight end for us this week. Outside of that, I don't really feel too confident about anybody else. First of all, the Eagles are great against the run. So even though Devonta Freeman looks like he might be back and he comes in at RB33 for us, there's a very low floor. A very low floor. We do think he's going to be back, though, this week. As far as the wide receiver position goes, it frankly depends on who Darius Slay is going to cover, right? Who is he going to shadow? Is it going to be Darius Slayton again? Or because Sterling Shepard's back for this game, is it going to be Sterling Shepard? who's also still you know, kind of hindered by that toe injury that he's been limited in practice for pretty much since he's been back. Now, because Shepard has been the number one target over the past few weeks since coming back, there's a decent chance it could be Sterling Shepard. Because now that Golden Tate is back, unfortunately, Jason Garrett, you know, the uncreative mind that he is, Sterling Shepard hasn't lined up in the slot as much as he should. He should be the piece that you're moving all around. Darius Slate's your guy. You lock him up on the perimeter. He's your deep ball threat. He's your, he's, he's your big guy. He's a big playmaker. And Sterling Shepard should be moving from the perimeter to inside to be the guy who's emotioning. He should be the guy you're getting mismatches for so he can be the safety blanket for Daniel Jones that he needs him to be. This happens sometimes, but not a lot. Shepard is our wide receiver 41, and he's the only wide receiver that I would probably even contemplate playing. After watching Darius Slayton get one target last week, after watching him really be kind of disappointing and have a very low floor since Shepard's been back in the first place, even in the games where he's had a decent target share. I'm hoping you have better options at the wide receiver position, especially when it comes to a potential ceiling, than any of the Giants wide receivers. Because like I said, Darius Slay could wind up shadowing either one of these guys. It's more likely that it's Slayton because he'll be on the perimeter more often, but it's not necessarily set in stone. And with the Philadelphia Eagles coming off the bye, I worry about the Giants being able to move the ball too well in this game because that defense has been playing a little bit better each week and they got a little bit more healthy coming out of the bye this week. So I I do question how much the Giants are really going to be able to do offensively in this game. The Eagles' defense are one of my top defenses on the week. Just to kind of give you an idea there. So I think Shepard has a decent floor because of the targets he's been seeing. That's why he comes at wide receiver 41, but there's not much of a ceiling there, especially if he winds up seeing Darius Slay throughout this game. Alshon Jeffrey, I'll talk about him real quick because people are going to want to know what do I have his fantasy value on. You're not going to play him this week, but he is somebody that if he if he goes back, and back into his number one role, into his red zone role, then we might wind up seeing this guy be a wide receiver three at some point. And that's, again, that's why I'm taking the cautious approach when it comes to Philadelphia Eagle wide receivers. But I just wanted to mention that real quick before we moved on into the Tampa Bay Bucks, into the Carolina Panthers, where there's a lot more fantasy implications at stake, especially high-end ones. Look, there's a real chance here after that game against the Saints on Sunday night last week, the Tampa Bay comes out and the Panthers might be running into a buzzsaw. No Christian McCaffrey this week. Although the good news on him that broke out this morning is that he went and got his second opinion on his shoulder injury. It sounds like the doctor gave them some pretty good confidence that he'll be able to come back next week. And that it's more of a pain management thing, not necessarily a re-injury or a situation where it'll necessarily get worse on the normal wear and tear. Just more 
too painful to play this week, but could be back next week. So that's the good news on Christian McCaffrey is that you might only miss him for one more week. The bad news is, though, when he comes back in week 11, you have him for week 11, you have him for week 12, he goes out on bye in week 13. So you better be in position to make the playoffs if you have Christian McCaffrey. If you're not, I might have to shop Christian McCaffrey on a sell high. I might. I wouldn't want to do it because, like I said, when it comes to my trade philosophy, generally speaking, I don't want to be the guy who's giving up the best player in the deal. But if you can turn Christian McCaffrey into a low-end RB1 and a low-end wide receiver one or something of that nature because you're in a position where you have to go at least over the next four games, you have to go 3-1 and one, or you have to run the table to make the playoffs, I would do it. Because not only are you not going to have Christian McCaffrey this week, you're guaranteed not to have him week 13, which is going to be a very pivotal week for people trying to make the playoffs. And while you, while Christian McCaffrey might give you the best chance for a championship run once you're in the playoffs, getting there is more important depending on what situation you're in. Now, if you're, you're, if you're a great situation, you're 6-3, 7-2, 8-1, whatever, and you can hold on to Christian McCaffrey, great. But if you're in a situation where you have to go 3-1 and one or completely run the table the rest of the season in order to make sure you make the playoffs, I think you're going to have to entertain the idea of selling McCaffrey before your Week 12 trade deadlines. It's just unfortunately the, 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 the nature of the situation where we actually have teams on by this week and or teams on by Week 13, and the Panthers happen to be one of those teams. It's just an unfortunate situation, but you're going to have to entertain that depending on what kind of value you can get back in return. It's unfortunate. But with Christian McCaffrey out this week, of course, Mike Davis comes back. You're going to play him, plug and play him. He's going to be an RB2. Don't expect much efficiency on the ground against Tampa Bay. But we do know the first game around, he got eight targets in that game. He's going to be very heavily involved in the passing game, giving him a decent four, making him an RB2 for the week. You're going to plug and play him and know that you're going to get solid production. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats! Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. I'm still going to play Robbie Anderson in this game. Wide receiver 29. His target share has just given him a high floor every single week. If I can help it, I'm not playing DJ Moore. And if I can help it, I'm not playing Curtis Samuel. I know there's this big thing about Curtis Samuel being a top pickup this week. I told you guys, it wasn't one for me. Because the thing about Curtis Samuel is that we've seen this time and time again. Even when he was supposed to be the second real wide receiver in the Carolina Panthers in recent years to DJ Moore. We've seen him go on these little hot streaks and then get phased out of the offense. Be the odd man out. And in this situation where there's actually extra t- targets on the field... 
is more likely to happen. Did he have a great game against Kansas City? 100%. Was DJ Moore the odd man out in that situation? 100%. You have, this is, and this is where I think this show is different and where I'm different when, when coming analyzing fantasy football. You have to take the matchup and contextualize it. Kansas City's very good against perimeter wide receivers. DJ Moore doesn't line up in the slot anymore. It's mostly Curtis Samuel. The slot receiver is what you use to attack the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why he has such a good game. He wasn't involved in the rushing game. Everyone's bringing up, like, oh, he's getting carries and this and that. He wasn't involved in that aspect of it, and he won't be as long as Christian McCaffrey's on the field. And in this game against Tampa Bay, even if he lines up back there with no McCaffrey back there, I have doubts as far as what kind of effectiveness, what kind of what he's going to be able to do in that situation, in that role, given this matchup. Tampa Bay is going to come out with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove, especially with the divisional matchup, especially the way they played against the Saints last week. I am very fearful of all Panther fantasy impact players involved that they could wind up with low floors given this. Because Tampa Bay is the much better team. Carolina has played admirably all season long. They played great. I think Matt Roll, Joe Brady have done a phenomenal job. They're heading in the right direction. But they don't match up with this team. Especially this team with a chip on their shoulder and some extra motivation under their butts to go out there and dominate and show that they are not the team that we saw on prime time last Sunday night. I think it, this, is, this is a narrative thing that I buy into sometimes in certain situations, and this is a situation where I'm buying into it. And I'm a little bit fearful of that. So other than the guys who are definitely going to get the ball, like a Robbie Anderson, like a Mike Davis, I'm staying away from the Carolina Panthers if I can in fantasy football. And I know that you're probably not going to have a better option than a DJ Moore this week. But how many times does this guy have to get five targets, two catches for practically nothing for you to be like, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from that floor game that he's been giving me more times than not this season. I know he went on a little bit stretch. People started to get confident again. It's kind of what I think is going to happen to Curtis Samuel again, too. You don't want to play him for that floor. There are other options out there. I would rather play a Sterling Shepard than a DJ Moore this week because he has a much higher floor, even though I don't love the matchup, than a DJ Moore does, given how consistently he's played this season. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take another quick break, come back on the other side, have a extended mailbag segment we can say because we usually only do a couple questions but we have several questions in this segment again if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment just hit us up on social media at billyupmdffshow on twitter or facebook leave your comment question rant whatever you want to do we'll talk about it and i'll select a few to get on the show but these are the ones i selected here we're gonna take a quick break come back and we're gonna get to them on the other side it's the worldwide sports radio network you're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back in the show, everybody. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android apps. Or if you have iOS, WWSRN presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just got done previewing the early window of games for Week 10, talking about our fantasy expectations, talking about our injury updates, Talked about some things at the beginning of the show of, of what to do to help your fantasy leagues out and all the different dilemmas you might be facing as we get into these playoff races. And now we have some mailbag questions for you guys from the fans that we always open up for all, all about because it's actually helping you on a personal level, which is what I love having this segment on the show at the end. Okay, so our first question comes from JJ. And this is a very this is a very good one. I thought it was really interesting. I really love this question. Is CEH, Clyde Edwards, Elair, and DJ Moore, a fair trade for Nick Chubb. My immediate retort 
was a fair trade for whom? For you? More than fair. If you're the one getting Nick Chubb in that deal, pull the trigger. If you're not, don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. I don't know. Look, right now, Le'Veon Bell being added to the mix is not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's problem. Right now, his biggest problem is Andy Reid deciding, hey, you know what? I no longer have to involve the running backs. I don't. And I know that you know there's been some people out there, and it's true, have talked about the offensive line and their struggles and the fact that they're not run blocking very well, it's not open up very many holes, it's not being very efficient, and that's all true. But I've never seen a Chiefs team in all the running back woes that they have had since having Patrick Mahomes not involve the running back from at least a receiving standpoint. It's not just that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is no longer getting plus 15 carries. It's that neither him nor Le'Veon Bell are even involved in the passing game at all. So until Andy Reid decides that, you know what, we actually have to get the running back as a unit involved back into the game plan again, and maybe they will coming out of the bye. We'll see what happens. But right now, you have to worry about that even more than worrying about the fact that on the few touches that he has had since signing Le'Veon Bell, it's been nearly a 50-50 split between the two of them. So even when they go back to finally involving the running back position again, Le'Veon Bell is still on track to get his share of that workload. Meaning even when they go back to getting the running back unit involved again, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, at best, is a low-end RB2 the rest of the season. He's shaping up to be a big bust for you guys who drafted him in the first two rounds last year. It's not looking good. It's a lot of low floors in his future. There's a lot of things you're combating against that. And then DJ Moore, we, I've talked extensively about not being a fan of DJ Moore from the start to finish this season. And that I don't think it's going to turn around. And I think more times than not, you're going to get a lot of low floor games out of DJ Moore. And if you get a good performance, it's going to be because he broke one for 50 yards, which doesn't happen very often. I wouldn't consider him a big home run hitting boomer bust type of wide receiver. That's not generally his game. Although it's happened a few times this season. So if you could trade those two because of their name value predominantly, because that's pretty much what it would be if you can get this deal done, for a Nick Chubb, who legitimately will be a top 10 running back the rest of the way as long as he's able to stay healthy. 100% 1JJ put that out there, propose it. I think it's worth proposing. And let me know if you get it. I hope that you do, because that would be a great trade in your direction. Great trade in your direction. And part of what I was talking about when if you're looking to try to buy low in a Nick Chubb, Something like this, because of the name value recognition there, might, might be able to get the deal done for you. Next question, Andy. Should I trade Mark Andrews for Leonard Fournette? My other tight end is Noah Fant. I'm thin at running back with just Hines and Moss as my backups. So he doesn't tell me who his actual starters are, but Hines and Moss are his backups. The answer to that is unequivocally no. No. I get it. Mark Andrews has been very disappointing. The, Lamar Jackson has been very disappointing. That entire Baltimore Ravens offense, whether it's passing or running the football, has been incredibly disappointing. And frankly, a fantasy wasteland, which it should not be. I get all that. Look at the landscape of tight end. First of all, Noah Fant, having him as a second tight end, that's great. You have an insurance policy for, Noah, for Mark Andrews. Problem is, Fant's been having trouble staying healthy. And frankly, even though he's been out there on the field the past couple of weeks because he's been banged up, he hasn't been very good. It's been a little bit of a struggle even for the people who only have Noah Fant to play him. I know Mark Andrews hasn't been great. But with Andrews, I know for a fact 
he's going to turn it around and he's going to start getting back into the end zone again at the very least. Maybe he's not getting a crazy amount of targets. Maybe he's not getting a crazy amount of yards. But at the very least, he will consistently get back into the end zone. Think about it this way. I know the last three weeks have been a problem with Mark Andrews. I get that. Because three weeks ago, they were on their bye. But then look who they had to play. They had to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Horrible matchup for the tight end position, especially for a passing attack that's been struggling. Then they had to play the Indianapolis Colts. Again, horrible matchup for the tight end position, especially when a passing attack is struggling. They play the Patriots this week. Did you watch the Monday night game? Did you watch the New York Jets actually look like a competent offense out there with Joe Flacco? There's a really good chance that starting this week, Mark Andrews can get himself back into the end zone. And he is a guy who has that capability of scoring two touchdowns in any given week. Having that ceiling at the tight end position right now is invaluable. And from a talent standpoint, especially if they can just turn around a little bit, they don't have to turn around a lot. They don't have to do a complete 180. If that passing attack is able to just turn around a little bit, Mark Andrews comes back to being a top five tight end every single week. That's how easy it would be. So no, and on the flip side of that, what you're getting for him out of Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's the better running back than Ronald Jones. I've been saying it all season long. Here's the problem. It doesn't matter, it doesn't seem to matter at least, that Ronald Jones gets thrown to the doghouse, you know, halfway through the game. Almost every single week as long as Leonard Fournette's active. The following week, he still winds up being the starter. Look at this past week against the Saints. Now it was, it was a trash of a game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, but... Leonard Fournette was still the second guy. I thought there was actually a real chance here that we would finally start to see Leonard Fournette take over or at least play the majority of snaps. That didn't happen. Ronald Jones still came out as a starter, even though he got thrown into the doghouse the week before. The only thing I think you can guarantee is that Fournette will be more of the passing down back. He'll be more involved in that scenario. But there is no guarantee that he's ever going to take over that job unless something were to happen physically as far as an injury goes to Ronald Jones. This doesn't seem to be in the cards, the way they're playing this out. So that goes to say, I don't know, frankly, if there's a huge difference between Leonard Fournette and Zach Moss, who you tell me in this situation, you already have on your team here. Zach Moss is trending in the right direction as far as he might be overtaking Devin Singletary soon. It seems like the team actually wants him to do that. Where Tampa Bay, they seem to be at a stalemate as far as Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and who they want to be the guy. It doesn't seem to be interchanging either, in either direction. Zach Moss might be edging more and more out of Devin Singletary. And I know it's still not great because Buffalo still has this thing where it's hit or miss if they actually involve the running backs at all, and I understand that. But I don't know if there's a big difference between a Zach Moss and a Leonard Fournette. So I don't know if you're getting anything other than just getting an additional piece. I don't know if you're getting anything better than what you already have anyway. I'd rather keep Mark Andrews, keep my potential to actually have an advantage at the position because Mark Andrews could be that, especially for your playoff stretch. So no, I'm not actually doing this deal, because I don't feel great about Noah Fant and where he is at a health-physical standpoint right now. So Andy, no, I wouldn't do that deal. Ned, should I drop Jarek McKinnon for Duke Johnson? For this week, absolutely 100%. Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman already got ruled out of this game, and I fully understand that. And I do expect Jarek McKinnon again to be the starter, because again, Nick Mullins is still the starter, and that's, that's the whole scenario there. The playing the Saints... It's not going to be efficient. This is not an easy team to run on. And frankly, the 49ers have zero firepower going into this game. Kendrick Bourne went back on the COVID reserve list. Again, they do get Brandon Ayuk back. They might get Dave Samuel back. But I'm not trusting this offense right now. Duke Johnson has a decent matchup against Cleveland. And unlike Jared McKinnon, 
if David Johnson doesn't play, is pretty much guaranteed to get all of the work. Where you have to figure, my Hasty could still be involved to some degree. It's just, I'd rather go with Duke Johnson. Has a much higher floor, a much higher ceiling than a Jarek McKinnon. And I think this is going to be the last week that Jarek McKinnon is a starter anyway, because I expect Raheem Mostert to be back next week. Maybe even Tevin Coleman as well. So, uh, yes, Ned, if you're in a situation here, you're looking for this week, I would definitely drop Jarek McKinnon for a Duke Johnson because we do expect him to play. We don't expect David Johnson to. Next one, Jesse, can I trade Antonio Brown for TJ Hawkinson? Yes, Jesse, you can. 100% you can. If the TJ if the Hawkinson owner is actually going to be willing to part with a top five tight end, we just talked about how, how important it is to have a tight end that is actually producing on a consistent level right now. I'm not basing all this off of what we saw last week. And, and if you do, if you really actually analyze it, there was a pretty even target share between Mike Evans, between Chris Godwin, between Antonio Brown, and between Rob Gronkowski in that deplorable game on Sunday night. So there's actually a silver lining there for Antonio Brown to actually be consistently involved in this offense. But I am going to make that deal because still, Antonio Brown is the third receiver in that offense. And you can argue whether or not he's actually the fourth target, depending on where you feel at with Rob Gronkowski. TJ Hawkinson is very much a top five tight end right now and very much could be a top five tight end the rest of the season. So if you're looking for a tight end, Antonio Brown, who's going to be somebody that you maybe mix in once in a while as a fill-in, as a flex play, give me TJ Hawkinson who actually gives you an advantage at the position right now. 100%, Jesse, I would do this deal. Especially if you can get it done. Next up, we have Jake. He asked me, T. Higgins and Chase Edmonds... For Allen Robinson. So we're, we're going to talk about the Arizona game tomorrow. And I have a lot of questions as to why Kenyon Drake is practicing. Why he's on the track to being back this week. Why is he pushing the way that he is? Why, why is Arizona letting him? Because he really shouldn't be back yet. He should be missing at least one more week, if not two with the type of injury that he had. I know they say it was just a partial tear, so maybe it wasn't as severe of a normal high ankle injury, but this rushing him back, this reminds me a lot of what happened to Saquon, where he wasn't himself. And in Kenyon Drake's case, I would almost bet money on him re-injuring himself if he's not back at 100% yet. I think he's pushing to get back because I think he's worried that he's going to lose his job to Chase Edmonds. Now, and I think that's why he's pushing back so hard to get this to this week, because Edmonds didn't have a great game last week, even though he had a lot of volume. So I think he knows, like, well, yeah, but if he gets the, that volume again against the Buffalo Bills, there's a good chance we see Chase Edmonds have a great game. And then all of a sudden the question becomes, why start Kenyon Drake? Why not just stick with Chase Edmonds here? That's going to be a serious question moving forward if Edmonds comes out and has a great game here. I think that's what's going through Drake's mind. I think that's why he's trying to push himself to get back so hard. Now, in the Arizona Cardinals case, I don't know why they're allowing him to. Your team playoff bound. You should be playing for the long haul. You're better if you have both Drake and Edmonds for that. You're putting him in position as a high risk. Now, we don't know for sure that he's going to play this week, but the fact that he was back at practice in a limited capacity yesterday really speaks volumes to that. So all that is to say, in this case for this trade, when you're talking about T. Higgins and Chase Edmonds for an Allen Robinson, I think that's very even value. It's very even value. T. Higgins has been very good this season. He has. But he doesn't have that high floor, and I should say the high floor. He has a similar ceiling because he has been a big play threat this year, and he has been able to make some big plays. But he doesn't have that high floor of an Allen Robinson, who more times than not, as Nick Foles has been the quarterback, has gotten close to that double-digit target mark. 
The problem with Robinson, he doesn't have necessarily that ceiling potential because, one, it's still Nick Foles, who's terrible. But, two, that Bears offense in general is just very inefficient. Very inefficient. So are you in a situation where you're just looking to have that high-floor wide receiver that you can plug in and play automatically as a wide receiver, two every single week and just have the safety blanket in that? And is that worth giving up a Chase Edmonds, a T. Higgins, who's been decent, and a Chase Edmonds, who... In Kenyon Drake's case, I think if he does come back early as a high risk for re-injury, could wind up being somebody who could be that guy, that running back that we see every single year be that potential league winner because all of a sudden they get the opportunity at the right time and start to make do with it. And I think Chase Edmonds has that talent, that capability. I know it wasn't great last week, but I think he has that talent, especially if he's able to give the opportunities continuing his way. Do you give up that lottery ticket even though if Drake comes back, he might be second fiddle this week? I have to say I'm 50-50 on this deal. I would lean toward, and usually if I'm 50-50 on this deal, I would lean towards no, normally speaking. Like I said, T. Higgins, he has just as much of a ceiling as an Allen Robinson with the way the Bengals have been playing, with the way he's been playing. I think think the key is I'd rather have that lottery ticket and chase Edmonds, even if he's not the starter for this week moving forward. Having said that, the, why I'm 50 50 is because it depends on where you are. And I don't, Jake doesn't tell me what his record is. He doesn't tell me where he's at as far as his playoff capabilities are. But let's assume for a second he's hovering around the 500 area and he needs to at least go 2 and 2 or possibly 3 and 1 these last four games. Let's assume he's in that situation. Then I would maybe consider doing it because I would get Allen Robinson as a bona fide wide receiver to the rest of the way and lock me in a nice situation where I can be in a better position to go on a run over these last four games to make sure I make the playoffs. Where it's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily in a position to hold on to a lottery ticket and chase Edmonds and hope that it pays off with Kenyon Drake making, in my opinion, an early return. So it, that's why I'm 50-50. It depends on where you are and it depends on what you need and what you need to have happen over the next four games to make the playoffs. But usually when I'm 50-50, I would lean towards no. That's going to wrap it up for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. As always, I had a lot of fun. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android app or WWSRN on iOS. Presented to you by Belly Up Sports. 12 o'clock to 1.30 on Friday. We have, like I said in the beginning of this show, we have a lot more games to actually talk about on Friday, talked about tomorrow. We'll have all the injury updates for you. We'll have the Thursday night recap for you. So we got a jam-packed show for you guys tomorrow from 12 to 1.30. So make sure you tune in for that. You can listen to this show or any show on your favorite streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to go. There's always a record of this show available to you. You can go back and listen to it if you miss it at any given time. This show will be available in probably just you know an hour or so from now. Make sure you're checking us out on BellyUpFantasySports.com where our Week 10 rankings are updated and live. You can go to the tab. Just see Dan Mater right there, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We also have Ryan Hicks and Chris Pinto, great guys. We also have their rankings every single week up there. You can go ahead and check out too. Compare. Figure out what the best value is for your teams this construction week. And make sure you're following us on social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow, especially on Twitter because we give you player news, update notifications throughout the week to make sure you guys know exactly what's going on with your team and what possible pickups might be there for you and what kind of surprises might be out there for you. So make sure you're checking out all of that here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Dan Mater. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Good luck on your Thursday night matchup. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.